Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We were going to originally start our servants class in our Bible studies in the book of Acts. And last night we uh, just shifted the whole direction of our time, which what we're experiencing today and every service has been unique. Um, But I wanted to remind you of this sense of setting your heart toward God. It says in Daniel chapter 10, let me just read it to you. It says, then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I've now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And he said, don't fear, Daniel, for for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I've come because of your words. From the moment that Daniel set his heart to understand and to humble himself, God was already beginning to answer his prayer. Now, while I was away, you know, being unplugged, as I said, just n- nothing but, the, but, but time with my wife, time in the Word, I was, the Lord put on my heart this passage of Scripture that I'm going to be developing uh, into a Bible study series. So I'm going to ask you to pray for me because on top of everything I'm, I'm already have going on, I've got now a new, new um, you know, assignment from God. And I'm going to teach it to us. And the title is going to be something like, you know, warnings to the last day believers or something along those lines because we're living in the last days. I don't, I don't think that many of us will disagree with that. However, I want to give you a different framework of that. If we indeed are living in the last days, then I want you to understand you're alive to be living in the last days. You, this is God's will for your life to be alive right now to serve him. It, it is, I know that we might have this nostalgic thoughts of, well, I wish I could live back in the 50s or in the 60s or in another time. And another. No, 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 none of that thinking. You're alive now because God has you alive right now. You are the generation to reach this generation. And yet there are some obligations that come with that. And it's right here in 1 Corinthians 10. So I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to start praying over it, meditating on it. Maybe the Holy Spirit will teach you long before I ever deliver these studies. But it's going to be five or six studies in this section of Scripture. It says, moreover, brethren, this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for of that they drank the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, so we're supposed to learn from this, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. So that's a warning to not lust after evil things. Secondly, in verse 7, don't become idolaters, as some of them were. As they were written, the people sat down to eat and drink. So this warning number two is 
Don't get into idolatry. Number three in verse eight is don't commit sexual immorality. That's a big warning for the last day's church, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. It was great consequences for sexual sin. Or number four, number nine, verse nine, don't tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted or tested Christ, and they were destroyed by serpents. And then the fifth warning is in verse 10. Check this out. This is just as important as the other ones. Not that you in the last days don't murmur. Don't murmur or complain, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. And why are these important? He says in verse 11, these, all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the age have come. They've been written for us. And so pray for me. Uh, in the next, I don't know, it'll be six weeks, six months, who knows when I'll get it done, but the Lord will give me the time uh, to develop it and deliver it because I think it's God's word for us um, in the future. But I've been really like, man, Lord, you want to prepare us? You want to ready us? You want to use us in these last days? It's not going to come out without a cost, right? God does his part and man does his part. God does his part, man does his part. And so God is always the initiator and we're always the responder, which leads us to our Bible study today. If it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, then I believe we should spend some time looking at the goodness of God today. And I developed this study back in 2020 and I taught it to an empty room. If you remember back in 2020, everybody was online. And I delivered it to an online audience. Uh, and I don't remember how many people were in the room, uh, but it was predominantly an empty room, all three services, where folks were watching online and listening on the radio. And then I took it, as the doors opened, I took this Bible study around the world, teaching it on all the invitations that I have received. And it was the study I, take, I took for a, about a year, a year and a half, and God seemed to really bless it. And during those travels, I'm like, you know, I need to teach this to the church again. And that's kind of been on my heart. Uh, but last night, it just happened. Like last minute, I came fully prepared to teach what I had prepared. Uh, I had it prepared before I left out of town. Uh, and it was all ready for me. It's on my iPad. But I really believe that God wants us to go here because today's the day of preparation of repentance. It's not next week. It's not next year. It's today. And if the pathway of repentance to know the goodness of God, then let's talk a little bit about that so that God could prep your heart for repentance. Ready for that? So Father, I pray for your spirit to take your word and use it in our lives. I think of what Jesus said, that what is of the flesh is of the flesh, but what is of the spirit is of the spirit. And so there's just a lot of humanity in the room today, a lot of flesh, a lot of things, God, among us that really have nothing to do with you, bring you no glory, bring you no honor. It's just a bunch of our plans and our thoughts, and, and we ask you for, for your forgiveness, God. Forgive us for replacing you with ourselves. Forgive us for replacing you with some thing or someone. You brought a brother even here today that would stand up and say out loud that he's been away and he's back. And I wonder if we gave time, how many people have been here physically, but they've been away. And it's time to come back. God is calling you home. And I pray for those that you're calling, God. 
physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally. I pray, God, that by your spirit, you would draw many to yourself as we examine today this beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Bless your word, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and open them to Nahum chapter 1, would you? Nahum. You say, where in the world is that? Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. If you're anywhere near those at the, toward the end of the Old Testament, you're going to be right there. Jonah, Micah, Nahum. And today I want to introduce you and remind you of one verse. And it'll be an abbreviated version of these notes that I've presented, but it'll be what God has for us today. And the title of our study is, We Know That the Lord Is Good. And in the days in which we live, as we're reminded, the days in which we live are the days for which God has you alive. You are alive now by the will of God so that you might have an impact in the culture in which you live. Generationally. Like God would have you to experience generational change. Starting with you personally and then each generation that's affected by your life. Your life matters to God. It matters immensely. Your life is so valuable to God that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf. That by the blood that was shed on, on the cross, your sins can be forgiven. You're loved that much. You know, as we had a little Ella up here and then earlier service, there were five kids. So yesterday I signed all six Bibles and I, I write a little note to the kids, no matter if they can read or not, their parents can read it to them. One day they're going to read it. And, and so most of the notes go about the same way. And then at the end, I change it for the kids as I'm praying for them. But most of the notes go this way. Uh, and like Ella's. Ella's would probably say something like, Ella, Jesus loves you very much. He gave his son Jesus for you. Jesus gave his life for you so that by faith you can live with him forever. And he gave you his word. So when you read and pray, you'll know more and more of God's love for you. And for the kids that were in first service, I added a little note to them and to say, hey, you know, you guys have something really special in your life and you share something special with me. And I wrote a little note in there that just like they have all been physically adopted, I too have been adopted. And so the pathway of my life went through and navigated through the adoption system so that God would use that for his glory in my life. And so who knows what God's gonna do through the Clark family earlier or through little Ella. But I want you to imagine for a second if God took your Bible and wrote a note in it. And he wrote a note in your Bible that says, I'm your father in heaven and I love you very much. I gave my son Jesus just for you so you can enter into a relationship with me. And as you open your Bible every day, you're gonna learn more and more about how much I love you how important you are to me, how I long to have you in deeper, intimate relationship. Imagine the father writing that note to you. Well, it's all throughout the Bible, isn't it? The whole Bible is his note to you. The whole Bible is a reminder of his goodness to you. The whole Bible is a reminder of the goodness of God. And we need to be reminded in days like this, in the days in which we live. They're hard. They're incredibly difficult and challenging both on a macro level, you know, globally, but also on a personal level. Heart-wrenching, horrendous pain is in the room today. Challenges, familiar or financial, are in the room today, online, on the radio. Like, lives are being altered and changed, fractured. There, there's great distress and discouragement. 
There's even recent deaths that's brought great grief into many lives. And it's in times like these, I think especially in times like these, that we know that the Lord is good. We know that we know that the Lord is good. Of course, it's easy to praise God when things are going well. That's the easy time. You know, a great job promotion, praise the Lord. Got a raise, praise the Lord. Maybe there was some difficulty and God resolved it. Praise the Lord when things are going well. We are very quick to assent and we're very quick to agree and we're very quick to announce we know that the Lord is good. I mean, every Easter and Christmas as we gather together and the room is filled and we have all these extra services, we have kind of a little tradition that we do. It didn't start with us, you know, Calvary Chapel, but uh, I brought it with me. I don't know where I learned it, but I brought it from somewhere. And I'd stand up here on the stage and I'll stay right here with a full room. God is good all the time. You guys know that? You guys with me? Come on. God is good all the time? Some of you didn't join in. Because circumstances can be so heavy and so hard. I had a gentleman come up to me after the service quite a few yesterday. Um, older guy, probably say he's in his 60s. He wanted to share his whole story with me. I said, no, I don't have time for that. There's a lot of people waiting, but email it to me. So he did. It was a very long email that I checked last night and read through it. And in one of the paragraphs at the beginning, he says, I've lived a very long, hard life. And that was what most of the next paragraph was going to be, all the things that he experienced. And some of you can write the same email. Your life has been very long and very hard, starting at a very young age. And those circumstances have weighed heavy on you. So even today, even as a follower of Jesus, it's still very challenging for you to announce that God is good. Others, you know, it may not be a lifetime of circumstances. Others, we've learned that circumstances can change in an instant. <laughs> and our whole lives can be turned upside down instantly. And we're like, I don't know, I don't know. This is the very place where, you know, the very, the, the very place where you're tested the most. This truth. How you answer this question. It's going to determine how your day goes, how your week goes. And the question is very simple. Do I believe that God is good? If I answer yes to that and I'm in a day where yes, then the day is going to go relatively well, no matter what I face. But if I say no to that question, my life will be in disarray. It will be tattered. Because the enemy of our souls would have been successful in getting me to doubt the goodness of God. You see, truth is interesting. Truth exists outside of your opinion. Did you know that? So the Bible states something matter-of-factly like, this is the truth. And you go, well, I don't agree with it. That's your problem. The truth is the truth. Well, you know, I don't think that. All right, well, that's a problem for you because truth exists outside of your opinion. Or you might say, I agree with that. Well, that's wonderful you agree with it, but the Bible does, God doesn't need you to agree with him being truthful. He is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's good for us over the years to learn how to ascent, to, to take our lives and submit it to the truth. And today I want three things I want to give to you that I want you to submit to in knowing God 
and understanding his goodness. It's right here in this book by the name of Nahum. Nahum was a man. He was a prophet, a messenger of God. He was given a very strong and difficult assignment. He was to announce judgment on a nation, Assyria. That was his, he's next up. I want you to give uh, this message. You can see right there in verse one of Nahum one, it starts out the burden. And if you've ever had to deliver hard news and difficult news, you know how heavy it can be. Describing it like a burden is not unusual. And he is to describe, he is to deliver this heavy word to the nation of Assyria, a nation that has rebelled against God, a nation that has no desire to anything with God. And here he is, it says, you know, look how heavy it is. God is jealous, verse two. The Lord avenges. The Lord is furious. He takes vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. And it goes on and on and on till he finally gets to verse seven. And it's like in verse seven, he takes a breath for a moment to remind himself of the goodness of God, that all of the judgment that, God, that, that Nahum is speaking of here does not diminish the goodness of God. And it's like he needs just to be refreshed. He needs to be reminded that the Lord is good. And that's what he says, notice in verse seven, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. So three simple things today before we leave. And three simple things are not just to receive a Bible study, but to prep you and prepare you for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That you receive today's word, not just being a good Bible student, but learning how to love the God who wrote the Bible. He wants you to know of his goodness. And that's point number one. God is good. This is foundational. This is absolute. This must be the foundation upon which you build your whole life. You don't need to go to seminary or Bible college to learn this theological truth. Don't be afraid of the word theology. It just simply means the study of God. As you open your Bible, you are a student of the Bible. You are in a theology, a time of theology as you're letting God reveal himself to you. You don't need to go to seminary to learn this. The theology that God is presenting to you today is that he is good. That's his nature. That is who he is. It is not what he does. It is who he is. And this must be a foundational basic fact of your relationship with God. You just know that you know that you know that God is good. Why? Well, because of the times in which we live. In every generation it's necessary, but especially in our day where we live in a world and a culture that it doesn't matter where you look, you will not find the goodness of God in this culture. It's not mentioned in this culture. It, it's, it, it, we, we actually live in a culture that with God, they've, they've done one of two things. They, they have denied him, said he doesn't exist. I mean, go ahead and go to find some atheist friend of yours and ask them for some word of hope. Just say, hey, what do you have to offer me? Uh, there's no God. Oh, that really helps. Thanks. Like, what do they have to offer? That, that, so you have one side that says there is no God. The other side of our world has replaced God with a God of their own image. That's the world in which we live. You live in that world. I live in that world. And there's no, there's no good. You can't look anywhere in this culture and find the goodness of God. Then you have what the Bible calls your flesh, your humanity. 
your sinful habits that you've developed over the years. I've developed over the years. How many of you got saved later in life? Later in life, later in life, a little bit older. Yeah, so did I, 20-something, 23, I think I was. And so I had 23 years of a lot of sinful habits, a lot, really bad. And I count all 23 years, I was a bad baby in the womb all the way, all the way through. And just worse and worse until I got saved. So grateful I was invited to a church just like this. Heard the gospel I just shared with you, responded, so grateful. And so my flesh, it just is so selfish at times, so self-centered. And I interpret circumstances through my own emotions, and it blurs my mind to the goodness of God. And I'm in a world that doesn't talk about God, and then I'm in circumstances that hurt. And then what happens? You know, some of you have even said this. You're like, you're mad at God. You're mad at God right now. You're listening to my words. You're mad at God. And if you had the courage, you'd yell, yes, I am. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you put yourself now back in a position of opposition toward God. Through the pain. And not only that. You have the world of flesh, your humanity, and you also have the devil. And let me tell you something about the devil you maybe you never considered before. You ready? The devil knows that God is good. <laughs> Consider that. He knows. <laughs> he was there before the fall. He knows there's no doubt in his mind whatsoever of the goodness of God. And so he spends, and the whole demonic realm, the whole spiritual realm spends their whole time using the world system to provoke your flesh so that you don't believe that God is good. Because a person that doesn't believe that God is good lives in misery. It's a very miserable experience to think that your own creator is against you. I know some of you had some really bad examples of dads and it's kind of put in your mind, you know, this, I don't know, I don't think I could see God like a father, like I, I just, the dad I grew up with or the dad I didn't grow up with. And you have some of the things like all of these issues and situations that have just taken you away from the perfection of God's love for you. That you have a father in heaven who will not harm you. He will not abuse you. He will not talk down to you. He will not abandon you. He will be with you and never leave or forsake you. Why? Because the Lord is good. God is good. And it's so tempting at times to not believe this. To not really embrace it. I mean, I, I had to put together again, this is abbreviated, but just thinking, you know, the, the things Marie and I have been with, my, my kids, and we, we've, we've been through some really hard things, really challenging things. We're not alone in that, but it's, it's my life. And there have been temptations over and over again to wonder about the goodness of God and just really wrestle with it. And just take it to the Lord and be reminded that we're to cast our burdens upon him. That we're to trust him with our lives. And that he is good no matter what I'm feeling right now, what I'm experiencing. When things were going well, he was good. You know, Job, as he was experiencing all of his pain, he talked about, hey, I, I, blessed is the Lord that gives and the blessed is the Lord that takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's faithful to us. But not only that, notice the second thing we learn in this short verse 
is not only is the Lord good, but secondly, he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Now that's important to understand. That's important to understand. Nahum says, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And notice, notice this. Just stop and let it sit with you. Just because God is good doesn't mean that God will always keep you out of trouble. Just because God is good doesn't mean he's going to keep you out of trouble. Troubles come to us all. It is one of the things that unite all humanity. Believer and unbeliever experience troubles and trials and difficulties, especially for the Christian. Jesus warned us. He said, he said that many, there, there will be tribulations coming to you all, that, that tribulations await you, but be, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In the psalmist, even the psalmist expressed this. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So let me ask you this, who's your deliverer? Is it the Lord who is good or someone else or something else? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. God doesn't promise to keep you from trial or difficulty, but rather to deliver you. And to reveal his power and strength to you. God is a stronghold in times of trouble, friend. The safest place on the planet earth is to be in the Lord. Words for stronghold in the original language here are words like refuge. He's a refuge. When you think of this word, I want you to think of the word protection. Refuge, protection, shelter. I want you to think of a fortress. Uh, or as the proverb says in Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Because what I've learned over the years is that when crisis comes, there are normal responses to crisis. Even the world has phrases for it. You know, the world, uh, they'll talk about the fight or flight response. Have you heard of that before? And then when I was teaching this somewhere else, some brother came up and said, oh, there's another one, Ed. There's another one that's fight, flight, or freeze. I'm like, oh, and he sent me some information on it, and I'm still trying to process that. But I get it, right? Something happens. Some of you, the first, first response is, is I'm going to fight. <laughs> I'm going to fight. I'm not, nobody's giving me. I'm going to put up a good fight. Others of you, your first response is, I'm going to freeze and do nothing. But the most popular response is to run. And I know many people run, run, run. We even sing a song uh, here that talking about running in circles. I'm so sorry, God, because I'm always running in circles. There's a lot of running going on. Something doesn't happen here, I'm going to run away. I don't like it here, I'm going to run away. I don't like this, I'm going to run away. And the thing is, is you find out whenever you arrive where you think you're supposed to be, something happens there and you choose to run again. Well, listen, listen. Even, even so, a natural response. The Bible says this, if you're going to run, the best place to run is to the name of the Lord. <laughs> so if you're going to run, go for it. Run to the Lord. He's your place of safety and security and peace. He's a shelter. He's a stronghold. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with what God has allowed in your life, what he's sent in your life what you've experienced in life. Been so many times and so many days of trouble in my life where the only comfort I really had was the name of the Lord. It's all I could get out or all I could even muster up in my mind. 
It's the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved but the name Jesus. The Savior of the world. His name brings such great peace and rest to my soul. Just repeating his name. There's something about that name. It's powerful. He's a stronghold. Your hope in time of despair. Your place of protection. And finally, he says number three, number one, God is good. Number two, he's a stronghold in your day of trouble. And thirdly, he knows those who trust in him. He knows those who trust in him. Now sometimes, church, we read the Bible through our emotional lenses. So if you're here today and you have more of a sensitive uh, disposition, you know, the kind, of, the kind of disposition that you beat yourself up over all the time, uh, that, you know, you feel like you're a failure and you, you even maybe have some perfectionism in you and, and if you don't reach that goal, you kind of make it all your fault. And, and so you, you get into a place where you're faltering and you're flailing and you're going through stuff and you come to this and you go, well, you know, God knows who trusts him and I don't trust him. So maybe, maybe he doesn't know me. Maybe I'm going to be one of those guys that when I come to, to Jesus, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And you kind of walk away all condemned, all beat up. And, and you just have to guard yourself from reading the Bible emotionally because that's not this text at all. The context of God knowing you is exactly what it says. He knows you trust him. All this going on, all these challenges, everything you're facing, he knows that you trust him. I was thinking of a verse, I think God put it in the Bible just for me, um, but I'm sure it's yours as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 13, it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And those times of weakness are the times where God reveals himself strong. I mean, it reminds me of Paul the Apostle. Remember, Paul, we're learning about his early life right now in the book of Acts. But later on in life, he was so overwhelmed by pain and suffering that he described it as a thorn. And some of you Bible students, you know, he was come to a place, we have this episode in his life, just one little episode where he, it says that he's crying out to God three times for the thorn to be removed. And, and we know from the original language, the word that he used uh, describes intense pain and suffering. So whatever he was going through, there's a debate on whatever he's going through, but it doesn't really matter. Whatever he was going through, he wanted it out of his life. So he does the right thing. He begs God to remove it. He begs God to remove it. He begs God to remove it. And you guys know, you read the story. The answer to his prayer was what? My grace is sufficient to you. The answer to his prayer was not that. The answer to his prayer was no. And that really bothers people, doesn't it? The answer to his prayer was no, Paul, I'm not going to remove that from your life. It's going to stay in your life. And because of it, you're going to learn about me in a deeper way. Because of it, you're going to draw closer to me. I mean, you, almost like you could hear the dialogue with God, right? He says, look, you're coming to me. If, if it wasn't for the thorn, you wouldn't be coming to me the way you are right now. So desperate and desiring me. Of course, the explanation to his answer is accurate, you guys, that started it. That tells him, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. Because it's in weakness that my strength, God says, is made perfect in your life. And again, we don't like the place of weakness. We like to put on a front or we try to be strong. And we're going to climb the corporate ladder and we're going to do this and we're going to be so good and we're going to accomplish all our goals, which are all fine and good if they're done 
in the Lord. And I mean, think what God gave us a, an opportunity. Think of, think of this. Think, think of what God's doing right now. Just kind of different service, different thing. Ed's on the stage. He's talking a lot. He's inviting. He's being used in the pastoral gifting that he has. And then, and then a guy comes up. I mean, this shocked me because this didn't happen in any other service. But he wants me to go to the pulpit and say, tell, ask somebody if they want to confess their sin. Where are you going to get that? Where, where does that happen? I mean, where, where does that happen? Where is it that publicly you admit your weakness? Well, one of the places happens among believers. It doesn't have to be in a church service, but it was today. Why? Because it's in weakness. You, you, when, when you confess something, you take away its power, man. You admit your dependency upon God. Your desire to follow and to serve and to surrender. Weakness is a good thing, as much as we don't want it. I know times are tough and challenging, and it's in trials and grief and sorrow. They're all normal responses, but they just jack up your mind. These fiery darts to have you doubt God's goodness and his faithfulness. And when you doubt God's goodness and you doubt God's faithfulness, guess what? You're, you, you stay far away from repentance. And repentance is what gets you closer to God. Repentance, it's a Bible word, but you use repentance all the time, even if you don't say it. It just means to turn around. You know, if you were skateboarding, you would say you're going to do a 180, right? You're going to go in one direction. If you're driving, you would say you're going to do a U-turn. That's what repentance is. When we use that word repentance toward God, it means that we agree with God of the direction of our life is not the right way to go and we turn around and go God's way. We forsake our sinful ideas and actions, whatever that might be, and we submit ourselves to following God. That's where real revival takes place. Real revival takes place among a people who are broken and humble before God that set their hearts toward him, that trust him with their lives, that know that God is good, nothing's wasted in our lives. As painful as it might be, God is going to use it for his glory and ultimately for your good. Not everything is good, but everything works together for good in the hands of God. But you know, God will allow you to go your own way if that's your choice. He'll allow you to lean on your own understanding. He'll allow you to get caught up in your doubts and your anxieties. But that's not God's will for your life. He wants you to come to him now. Confess your sin. Confess your trespass. He wants to redeem you. He wants you to do what the Bible says in Psalm 55 verse 22. Give your burdens to the Lord. Give your burdens to the Lord. He'll take care of you. That's what it says here in the New Living. Give your burdens to the Lord. He'll take care of you. And he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So as Pastor Ian comes back, I just want you, again, as you're processing everything today, I know it's heavy, man, but the Holy Spirit's been heavy today. I, I, he's, I, I, I just, I'm just telling you, God is taking you, some of you right now, taking you out of where you've been and placing you into something new. Even if you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, God is doing a new thing. 
You've been walking with the Lord for 30 days. God is doing a new thing. He's calling us to himself. You can be excited about what God's doing in Kentucky. You can be excited about what it's doing in South Africa or my friends in, in Italy. Or You can be excited about that. But what about Aurora? What about our church? What does God want to do with us? What, what does he want to do? And I, can't, I tell you, whatever he wants to do, it has to go through the pathway of repentance. There isn't any other way. There's a lot of churches in town, you know. A lot of great churches. Some churches just really monotonous and rep rep repetitive and religious. And you just got to understand, especially if this is your first day here, right? You walked into a church, we, we, we aren't going to do that. We're not going that way. We're not just going to gather together so we can have a little Christian huddle and we can all talk about Christian things and we can all be upset about the way the world's going and just complain to one another. This ain't the place for that. It's not going to be here. We want what God has for us. We want the power of God. We want the power of God in us. We want the power of God upon us. We want to be open. We, we, we aren't going that way. It's tempting to go that way because it's easier to go that way. It's easier to take the salvation of God and never tell someone about Christ, never step into someone's grief, never ask for forgiveness. It's much easier to go the way, oh, I'm a Christian, yeah, but you know what? There's really no fruit from your life. Well, you know, brother, don't judge me. And then we spend our whole life arguing with one another and the world is dying around us. And God has given you example after example after example. He's calling you to himself. Listen, he's calling you to himself. Some of you, you need to come because you need the forgiveness of your sins. For some of you, you need to come because you have to repent of a sinful life as a believer. Some of you, you know, again, prodigals, they, those are the ones that the prodigal sons that they had a relationship, they'd been away for a while. Now you're, you know, you're just wandering around, but you've wandered through the church. Hey man, I'm glad you're here. So come on back and make a commitment. No more prodigal living. Live for the things of the Lord. Dedicate yourself to the Lord. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Take his help. Take his strength. Surrender to him. Give yourself wholly to him. Little by little, God's going to take it. But you got to give yourself. And so, you know, as we were going through um, all the services today, I was checking my watch. And, you know, people, what are you doing? Man? What are you watch, checking your watch? Well, partly I was checking for time. But I think it was first service that the number on my watch caught my eye. And it's February 19th today, which is a significant day for many people. But it reminded me of a significant day in my life which is actually February 20th, tomorrow. Tomorrow, well, tomorrow, 33 years ago, in 1991, is, what year are we in? 23, so 22, 32 years ago, not three. I added a year, 32 years ago, I walked into a church like this at the invitation of a friend, and I received the Lord Jesus Christ and have been walking with him for 33 years. That's a, that's a miracle of God. Unbelievable miracle. We do not have enough time to share with you the miraculous work of God. He saved my life, saved my marriage, he saved my family, he added to my family, and then he allows me, he, he entrusts me, he, he enlists me to be a servant, a shepherd, a pastor, a flock like you. It's unbelievable what God wants to do. Unbelievable. You can't write it. You couldn't script out your life like God would want to. And you know, for many years, it was a big deal to me. I made it a huge big deal that I wanted to mark the day where I had served God 
longer than I served the world. So it would have been, I had the day all marked out and everything in, but then tragedy struck our family. And you know, that I, I forgot about it. And by the time I remembered it, I'm like, oh man, that passed a few years ago. And yet, as I look at it, God still, it doesn't matter what that day was because you're just serving the Lord day by day. And he's redeeming your life. God is redeeming your life. And if you make it to serve him more years than you serve the world, great. But to every moment of every day that you serve Jesus is worth it, church. And so as we sing these songs, the song that he's going to sing right now is uh, Run to the Father. And so it's an instruction to run to the Father. Now, you know, when I talk about worship here, um, I say, you know, you have freedom. You can stand, sit, kneel, come and use the altar. I say that quite often. And then I'll sometimes use a silly joke. The only thing we ask is you don't draw attention to yourself and run laps in the sanctuary. But today... I invite you, there could be someone that just needs to obey the song and run to the altar. And today, go ahead. To be careful with it. Don't trip over anyone. But if you feel like the Holy Spirit is like, like let, go ahead and obey the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and obey the prompting of the Spirit. Go ahead. If you make a mistake, we'll help you correct it. You know, if you start running laps in the sanctuary, we'll take you outside. Do the parking lots bigger, you know, go ahead. We'll put a security on. You can run laps in the parking lot watching the cars. You know, like, like, like look, just, just let these services, you know, today was a little different than, than what we typically do, but it's not really like anything we do when we gather that honors God in his word and is open to the spirit and submitted to the triune God, he honors. He's well pleased with you today. So no more resistance, no more rebellion. Like let today be a breakthrough in your life. Let today be a breakthrough. When you remember that the Lord is good. If you're going to run, then run to the Father. Because He's a stronghold in the day of your trouble. And He knows those that trust. He knows. Maybe you need to come up here and, and bring your prodigal daughter with you in prayer. Bring your prodigal son with you in prayer. Bring your fractured family with you in prayer. But bring that difficulty in prayer. Bring that separation. Bring that fear. But learn how to obey the Holy Spirit. Learn how to sense His prompting. It's not always my voice. God will use my voice, but it's not always my voice. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You can hear Him. You can respond to Him. And so let's all stand together. Pastors are going to be kind of coming up and being all around here. So we'll be up here as well, ministering. And I'm going to stay up on the stage just in case the Lord gives something. But like, you know, this is where, this is like church service, right? We all have these clocks now. Like we're going to be, okay, search is over. I got to leave. I'm going to go. And, and, and you know, you walk out and I like, I can't, you know, stop it. Stop it because like, not that if you have to go to work or something, get there and be on time for sure. But like, don't break the habits, break the routines, stick around for stuff. Just stand there and pray. Just like, Lord, I don't know. This is so hard. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Then just let the Lord say, no, I love you, daughter. You're exactly where I want you. You guys online. I know it probably, I don't know how it feels online, actually. Like, I don't know how these services felt online, but you're just as much here. You guys downstairs are on the overflow room. 
You guys listening on the radio, maybe there's no parking today, so you're upset. You drove away, but the Lord loves you. The Lord cares for you. He really wants to work in your life. I hope you got that today. God wants to work in your life. And if not me, then who? No, it's not. I'm not even going to worry about that question. It's going to be me. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going for more for whatever the Lord has for my life until I meet him face to face. So I don't need to worry about that question. But maybe you need to settle that in your heart. Let it be you. Ask God for power. Ask God for strength. Repent of your sins and let him do that work. So you guys can come to the altar anytime you want. Pastor Ian is going to lead us in the song and just let it take you right into the presence of the Lord. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.